Hi, I'm Craig. And I'm Linda. And this is the Indie Travel Podcast at IndieTravelPodcast.com. This week is episode 287, and we're talking about how to get cheap train tickets in Europe. That's right, and we are also talking about our last week, which has taken us down the Adriatic coast of Croatia and into Montenegro. It's been a fantastic week. It's been great. But before we get started, let's uh, let you hear a bit of the Zadar Sea Organ, which is one of uh, its most famous sites. left you we were flying out of Ireland and down into Zadar in Croatia and what a week it has been. It's been one of those weeks where we've just been going crazy. We spent two nights in Zadar then two nights in Split. Our original plan was to go to Sarajevo but so many people had said that Dubrovnik was amazing and wonderful and great so we went down there and uh, while we were there we had three nights there we did a, a side trip into Herzegovina. Well Bosnia and Herzegovina is the name of the country but we were only in the southern region. And uh, then yesterday we took a final bus to here. Right now we're in Kotor in Montenegro. And wow, it's pretty impressive. It is indeed. Um, So yeah, coming into Zadar, um, we arrived in the rain and it's been raining pretty much ever since. But there have been these gaps in the weather for like two to five hours. And um, yeah, we've been making the most of those to get out. And then when the rain comes down, uh, we've either ducked into a cafe or restaurant or uh, have been lucky enough to be on a bus or have gone back and hid away in the hotel to edit photos and write stories. I think we've been pretty lucky actually because we've, we've had enough time in our schedule to, to explore the cities during the gaps in the rain and there have been gaps. We haven't just been in a place for a day and it's rained constantly. So mm. that's been quite good. So what about Zadar? I suppose we arrived and because I'd done some research we knew that we could just catch a bus into the city so that was nice and smooth. And uh, we were staying in a really nice hostel, which we completely missed because uh, we were walking along one of the main streets of the old town of Zadar, and it was really slippery because it had been raining. I don't think it was raining at the time. No. And uh, we knew more or less where we needed to go. We are on the right street. But to our left was this old Roman forum, you know, like these ruins. And we were a bit distracted, and there was a church. Yeah. And then we found ourselves at the end of the road and hadn't found the hostel. So we had to backtrack. It was opposite the forum. In fact, the view from our room, <laughs> the roof from our room was the forum and then the sea. It was spectacular. You know, we should have figured that out because the place was called the Boutique Hostel Forum. I, <sighs> click, click. It makes click. sense logically. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, this place was awesome. It's, um, it's a hostel on three levels and most of the rooms, well, all of the rooms on the first floor and about half of them on the second floor are four bed dorms. But each dorm is laid out like a U, so you can there there are two doors into the corridor, and uh, in the middle of the room are the bunks. But the bunks are kind of like little cubby holes. They're like your own personal like bed pods. Yeah, yeah. And each one has um, a, a mirror and a shelf and a, a electricity socket and a light and blinds, so you can actually completely cut yourself off mm. from the world. But what I really like about it is because of the U shape of the room, there's a hole at the end of the bunk that lets you look out the floor-to-ceiling window mm. that's, you know, overlooking the forum or the church or the sea or yeah, everything. Yeah. That was really cool. The private rooms we got to see, uh, we didn't stay in them, but they were nice. And if you're in one of the private rooms, the double rooms, you get a, like a full 
breakfast, buffet breakfast. But what we got instead was the door surreptuously opening at about 8.30 in the morning <laughs> and a couple of paper bags put inside with uh, croissants and a sweet pastry and some bread and um, like butter marmalade and jam. marmalade, yeah. And um, so that was quite funny. It was almost breakfast in bed, but I couldn't quite reach <laughs> it was the stupid plastic, uh, stupid paper bag. I'm like, ah, oh, half a meter, no. <laughs> <laughs> Just was not close enough. Um, but yeah, Zadar itself was everything you would expect from a, a port town on the Adriatic coast. Uh, lots of white stone, um, beautiful old churches, you know, medieval era churches. Uh, fishermen unpacking sardines it down so, at the wharf. It was wharf amazing. We watched and, them for about 10 minutes and it was so fluid. Yeah. You know, they had this routine down. You know, one guy was throwing the trays across, another guy was catching them, another guy was throwing ice onto the top of them, and then a third guy was throwing them up to two guys who were catching them and putting them in a truck. It was just, oh, it was like a ballet with fish. <laughs> <laughs> ballet with fish. Oh, well. Um, what else there? There was the sea organ, which you just yeah. heard, and uh, this is a whole lot of pipes that are actually under the water, and as the, the tide flows and the waves go up and down, it forces air through these pipes, which creates this kind of haunting melody. And that's right next to something called the Salute to the Sun, which is a big circle on the ground, um, which grabs sunlight all day and then lights up at night. So there's this big kind of circle of light with some of the panels currently broken being the end of the season. I guess they fix it up at the start of every season and yeah. then as, <laughs> as it breaks down, it breaks down. We didn't actually see it because it was raining every evening, so yeah. it didn't work for us. Uh, one thing we did see was we went to the archaeological museum and I enjoyed it. It was quite small. It's on three levels and the second level, which is the Roman one, is closed. So, and has been closed for some time, according to, to TripAdvisor. Although apparently it might be open by the beginning of next year. Yeah, probably definitely by the next summer season. Probably I say probably, I don't think there's any definitely yeah. about it. Well, she was like, it was meant to be finished this year for summer, and then it wasn't, and now we're hoping we get the funding to get it finished by yeah. January, and oh, well. we'll see. But yeah, we did go up to the top floor, which was prehistory, and that was really interesting. I think they laid out the museum quite well. All the exhibits are on the outside of the walls, so you can just kind of walk along and follow the walls. You don't feel like you're missing anything. And then down on the first floor was kind of medieval times, lots of lintels, yeah, stonework. Yeah, lots of gothic religious art and stuff. It was pretty. Yeah. And a two-and-a-half-hour bus trip from there down to Split. Yep. And then Split was probably my favourite of the three cities that we went to. Um, and I don't really know why. But <laughs> until recently, until like five years ago, people only went there to catch a ferry out to the islands. There's some, some beautiful looking islands, lots of kind of eco-adventure tourism stuff like rafting, sailing, diving, snorkeling out there. Um, but in the last five years, it's been started to be used as a destination in itself, like people have been staying there longer. Yeah, I really um, liked it. And I, yeah, for me it was this nice balance between Dubrovnik, which was super touristy, Zadar, which was um, nice, but really like a, a resort town, somewhere you go just to chill out, and there's enough stuff around to see. Mm -hmm. um, and then Split was both physically and for me emotionally in the middle. Um, where there was 
heaps to go and see. There was a bit more of a connection between the old town touristiness and the suburbs. And um, yeah, it just worked a lot nicer for me. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, it was a pity we did arrive in the rain to split. And uh, so we decided to have a coffee in the, in the bus station. And when we left, it was just drizzling a little bit. So we thought, okay, we'll walk because it was only a, I think a 10 minute walk from the bus station. Oh, not even that. It was supposed to be a 10 minute walk according to Google Maps. So we started walking, we walked for about four or five minutes, left the bus station, started going up the hill and it started pelting down. So we flagged down a taxi and he said, where are you going? We said, Backpackers Fairy Tale. He said, oh no, it's only 50 minutes that way and pointed in the wrong direction. 50 meters. 50 meters, that's right, 50 <laughs> meters. So we started walking and... In the wrong direction. In the wrong direction. And when we realized we were already soaking wet, so we just turned around and went back in. Uh, but the, the hostel was really nice. Unfortunately, it's on the fifth floor. So normal for us after uh, three months in Berlin. But it does have spectacular views out over the old town and out to the water. So that was yeah, nice. it was really nice. Um, we, well, one thing that I really enjoyed doing in, um, in Split was going up the bell tower of yeah. the, um, the cathedral. They've got these beautiful Roman palaces that got Christianized. Yeah. Um, like Most of the these... old town is, is called the palace. It's this big square. Yeah. And uh, a lot of it's in ruins, but you can still access quite a lot of it, including yeah. the cathedral, which used to be a temple to... I believe, something. no, it used to be the mausoleum of, I think, Diocletian, ah, one yeah, of the, right. the Roman emperors. Mm -hmm. um, and then it was all like onyx sphinxes and stuff like that. And they've got some of these sphinxes still around that have been reconstructed. But yeah. um, when the town was Christianized, they all got smashed as idols. There's a temple to Jupiter, which is, then became a baptistry. Um, so all these sort of weird religious tie-ins, you know, as you see the same buildings being remodeled and then reused. Um, but yeah, going up this bell tower that comes off the cathedral that used to be the mausoleum was really something else because you start going up these very narrow, steep marble stairs and then you kind of come out of that and you go, oh good, it's not quite so claustrophobic. And while those are some quite big steps on a slippy, rainy day, and you're like, phew. But then all of a sudden you realize that the bell tower, unlike most, is not actually a tower. Well, it is a tower, but it's all colonnades and it's all open to the sky. Yeah, So it all of a sudden floors. you're on a, a rickety like metal grate that you can see through down through floors and floors and floors of nothingness. And then and all, floors and floors, no, there's all, no floors. That's all, the point. And, then, and then to your left and right, there's just like open access to the ground 100 meters below you. It was a bit scary. And, and so, yeah, especially with the wind coming through. Yeah. And it was one of those times where I'm like, I'm really glad I'm doing this because I'm kind of scared and got a bit of like that vertigo. And um, But it was fantastic. Yeah. It was, it was adventure in the middle of a tourist-centered town. That was really fun. It was just climbing a tower. But, you know, for me it was an adventure. And we also walked up to the top of a hill. What's it called? Majan. Majan. Yeah, yeah, Majan. And that was really fun because we got a good view out of the city and we were so happy that it wasn't raining. Yeah. And we had a really nice meal for dinner. Um, the place staff called Fifes. Yeah, Fifes. And it was just a really nice plate that we'd been suggested. So that was really good. Yeah, we got recommended this restaurant by... The people at our hostel, Backpackers Fairy Tale, by a listener on Twitter and by someone else on email or instant message, I can't remember. So thanks. But <laughs> yeah, thank you. This this is obviously the place to go and it was 
was great. Good food at a cheap price and a nice atmosphere. So, yeah. So then uh, the next day we managed to go to the fish market. Not that much was happening because the no. bad weather had meant that there weren't uh, big hauls. But we saw some people gutting fish and that was fun. And then we got on the bus to Dubrovnik. And uh, we had to pass through Bosnia and Herzegovina on the way because uh, Bosnia and Herzegovina had, I think it's like a 12 kilometer stretch of coastline that yeah. interrupt the long skinniness of Croatia. Yeah, I, I didn't know this. I guess when I looked at the maps, it just didn't quite click. Yeah. But yeah, Croatia is one country and two different land masses. Yeah. So we had to uh, go through passport control a couple of <clears> times and uh, we stopped for about half an hour at this, I don't know, just oh, like a tra- bus stop, you know, with <laughs> the a duty-free shop and a cafe. Yeah. But and a good had, view. It was a great view. But because of that stop and the previous stop, which was also half an hour, we ended up arriving an hour late. And our host in Dubrovnik, Ivan, uh, had been waiting for us the whole time. We'd had no chance to call him because we didn't have any signal on our phones. And we also didn't have any access to a, a phone at the stop. So poor guy. But he very kindly took us back and then made us coffee. And we, we drank our coffee overlooking the bay. It was a beautiful view, a great place to stay. Yeah. But, Wow, Dubrovnik is so hilly. Really, really, <laughs> yeah. really, 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 really hilly. It's quite funny because you've got um, two or three kind of main access roads that go between the port and bus station along to the old town. But then between them are just steps. That It's so <laughs> steep that the houses are kind of perched on, this, on the hill. And to get to the houses, you have to go down or up steps. There's no place to park your car. There's nothing like that. It's all steps. So that was uh, interesting. It sure was. <laughs> Um, a lot of people said that we, we had to go to Dubrovnik. So as Linda said earlier, we had changed our plans, knocked Sarajevo off the agenda um, and gone south instead. And in a way, I'm really glad we did because it meant that we ended up here in Kator. But Dubrovnik uh, in itself was kind of like a great place to spend a couple of hours. Yeah. But there was nothing there that really caught me. It, it left mm. me cold. It was a beautiful city. Um, it was really nice. There, there's nothing I could say against it, but in its totality um, and compared with the much more quiet um, Zadar and Split, which have just as much beauty and, and have all of the same features and attractions, Dubrovnik was was just crazy busy with people all crammed in the small medieval town and so you you could barely walk at some points and it was a good place to jump off to go and do other things yeah we ended up doing a tour from Dubrovnik into Bosnia-Herzegovina because we'd cut Sarajevo off the itinerary and uh, we'd been told that Mostar was really pretty and it really is so we did Mm. this tour with Mika tours that took us to Mostar and to a few other highlights including a, um, a pilgrimage city, uh, an old Roman villa, and um, a 14th century fortress. So that was pretty amazing. Yeah, it sure was. Well, let's uh, soon, very soon, talk about uh, getting around Europe by train, our feature for today. But first of all, we'll leave you with this. This is the sound of a wedding procession walking up the road with in, in Zadar, the main street, with the bride and uh, her flower girl walking up the street, and then behind, um, family members with guitars and, and instruments and everything just coming up behind. And it was mad. The procession was, 
I don't know, a, a hundred people or something yeah. like that, all spread Probably out. Only about tw- ten people were singing, but yeah. yeah, everyone else dressed in their finest, high heels. Yeah, it was impressive. It sure was. Here we go. talking about how to get cheap train tickets in Europe and I think it's quite an important topic to talk about because train is in our opinion the best way to get around Europe. You have other options of course there's budget flights and buses and car and well lots of things but train is wonderful because it's scenic, it's comfortable and it's really convenient. Yeah definitely Um, like in terms of convenience you think about going to an airport you normally travel half an hour to get to an airport and you have to arrive three hours early Whereas normally the main train station is in the centre of town or near the centre of town and if there's any security it's normally quite brief, like five minutes worth. And you just arrive a few minutes to half an hour before your train, you get on board and you're away. And The one exception to this is if you're going on the Eurostar between uh, England and France because that's regarded as an international trip. Whereas most of the other train journeys you're, you're doing, you're within the Schengen zone, so you don't have to worry about that. Mm. Um, and yeah, it's just, to me, that, that just makes it beautiful. <laughs> it takes so much of the stress out of things. And the other thing about Europe is that it's so small. I mean, the distances between one country and the other can be quite short. So it's, it's wonderful. You can be on a train for two hours and pass through two countries or three countries. Mm. So sometimes it's really not worth catching it catching a flight. Yeah. That said, sometimes it is. And uh, our first point is to do your research. So really look into the train tickets that you're, you're considering buying because you have two main choices. You can get a, a rail pass or you can get point-to-point tickets. And uh, which you choose will depend on your route. It will depend on how long you're traveling for. So you really have to do your research, find out how much a, a Eurail or Interrail pass costs find out how much the point-to-point tickets cost in advance, how much they cost if you buy them on the day. Unfortunately, the way to save money on train tickets in Europe is to spend time looking into it. <laughs> yep. And that brings us to point number two, which is to book in advance. You're almost, almost always going to save money by booking train tickets in advance. Yeah, about, well, maybe about four months ago, we were doing a trip from... Uh, where were we going? We were going from... The Canaries to oh, Milan to, and then to Linz and then yeah. to Vienna. It was a, one of these things and we looked into it and we found some really cheap tickets from Linz to Vienna for only nine euros each and usually it costs around 35 euros if you book it on the day. So buying those tickets in advance really helped. However, it meant we were tied into that particular train. So that's not necessarily what you always want. Yeah, I guess you're always giving up flexibility for price when you book something in advance. That's right. But just like with um, buying an airline ticket online, normally you just need to either print out a one-pager or have a barcode on your phone. Yeah. Um, It depends on the line and and where you're traveling, but it's super convenient if you know when and where you want to be going. For sure. So the third tip is to check out regional trains. 
Uh, most of the time, the search function on the railroad sites will show you the fastest option from A to B, but they can be the most expensive. Mm. And sometimes well. by like 50 to 100 euros more expensive. Yeah. So you might be able to save quite a lot by traveling on a regional train, and you might have to change trains, and it might take you a bit more time, but it can really save you time or save you money. Um, for example, in Spain, there's the Cercanias network, which is like regional trains. To get from Jerez to Cadiz, we always used the Cercanias train. And there was also, I think it was Media Distancia, which was double the price or triple the price. So mm. you actually had to look for the <laughs> that region. That one only saved you about 15 minutes, didn't it? Yeah. Don't talk to me about Spanish trains. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, in Germany, for example, um, there are a lot of rail of passes that you can get just for the regions and all for the regions or for the whole country that only allows you to travel on, on the regional trains. But you have to specify when you're on one of these websites, for example, Bahn.de is the German rail website, you have to specify that you want to only travel by regional trains mm. so that you can check that your pass is valid. But yeah, but if you're not in a rush and could do with an extra 50 euros in your pocket, that's an awesome way to do it. Um, and thinking about that ties in with the next point, which is getting a rail pass. Yeah. Because uh, when you think of rail passes, you often think of a Eurail pass, an interrail pass. Um, but in Germany, they've got rail passes you can buy on the day. These ones that Linda was just talking about give you access to all of the regional trains in the state, as well as normally access to the public transport, like trams, buses, undergrounds in each of the cities. Yeah. And they're like 25 bucks, 25 euros for one person or 27 euros yes. or 30 euros for two people. It's a token amount so for the next person, up yeah. to five people. And so it's that, and that just blows my mind. If you're doing a day trip around Germany, you mm -hmm. can have lunch one place, morning tea another. Like, you yeah. know, you can, you can just shoot around for a couple of hours and go to five or six different places. That's right. And the Bayern Pass, for example, includes travel to Salzburg, which is just over the border in Austria. Yeah. So that's something that's worth considering. So once again, do your research. There's lots of different passes out there. That said, if you're doing quite long journeys, then a, a Eurail Pass, which is for non-European residents, or an Interrail Pass, which is for people who live in Europe, are definitely worth considering. The big thing to think about is how many days are you going to be traveling? and how long are those those trips going to be because you need to work out the per day price of your of your ticket quite often if you're just doing a, a couple of short hops you shouldn't use your your rail pass on those days because you're just wasting money we had a german rail pass recently and it was worth 45 euros per day so on the days we just wanted to, i mean for example one day we want to go from bonn to cologne and that cost, what, nine euros or something. So it definitely wasn't worth using our rail pass for that day. But, the, well, a few days later, we were going from Cologne all the way across the country to Dresden. I think it was going to cost us, it was like the ticket, if we bought it on the day, was 300 euros for both of us. So that day, a rail pass was worth its weight in gold. <laughs> yeah, and that's what you'll find, I think. It depends on where you're traveling, like um, in uh, Italy and Greece. Um, Trains are quite cheap, especially the, the regional trains. And I'm talking quite cheap, like 3 to 10 euros per journey. Um, but then again, in Italy, some of the, the intercity trains that go direct and are fast and modern, they can still cost quite a lot. Mm. And so, yeah, you need to check it all out. Linda, what's the magic website for getting a rough idea of these prices? Um, There's one, it's just Denka, just Denka isn't it? Just Denka.cz, yeah. Well, that's in the show notes as well. 
and it won't give you an exact price, but it'll give you a ballpark figure for how much you might be spending. You can also look at other national rail websites like Bahn.de from Germany, OEBB.at for Austria, uh, Trenitalia. Trenitalia for Italy. There's, there's lots of them. We yeah. find Bahn.de one of the best to look at because they'll give you at least routes through all the other countries of Europe, even if they won't tell you the price. Mm. So, yeah, yeah, it's a good it's a good tool. Yeah, when we we're on our last Eurail trip um, around the place, the the Indy Europe, um, no, sorry, the Indy Rail trip that we did, someone recommended we use an iOS app called Rail Pass. Uh-huh. Uh, no, Rail Team. And we, I downloaded it and started looking at it, and I'd go, oh, we need to go here to here, and we go, no, that will take us an extra two hours, or, you know, so we actually found the, the website, barn.de, to have a lot more accurate information than any of the apps that we downloaded, because I downloaded a couple more after that to try and figure it out. So while the apps were a convenient interface, and barn.de is not very friendly for a mobile phone, mm. um, the amount of information and the options you get off of that website are just so much better. Yeah. Well, is there anything else you'd like to say? Those are our main points for uh, how to get cheap train tickets in Europe. Yeah. Number one, do your research. Two, book in advance. Three, check out the regional trains. And four, get a rail pass if it works for you. Yeah. Um, I guess the other thing to say is if you are very, very tight on budget. Uh, in a lot of Western Europe, car sharing is really popular. Hitchhiking is reasonably safe um, and and reasonably accepted in a lot of countries. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they can really help out. Um, if you are doing city to city jumps, if you haven't got a rail pass and you're kind of looking at things day to day, often traveling by coach is cheaper. But it's, for me, it's a lot less comfortable and the extra kind of 10 to 20% difference. If it's a, a one or two hour trip, I'm like, yeah, just put me on the coach, that's fine. But if it's longer than that, being on a train, being able to walk around, being able to go and get a coffee, being able, you know, you've got much nicer views normally. Charge your normally. phone, for example. Charge your phone, sit down at a desk with a phone charger with Wi Fi on the train and yeah, it, to me it just makes all the difference and it's worth, sometimes it's like a 5 or $10 savings, so but that's cut it, down I on mean, dinner and, you know. I travelled from Berlin to Rostock for, what was it, 11 euros and it was a, a two and a half, three hour trip and the bus, well, out, my bus didn't have Wi-Fi but a lot of buses do and most trains in Germany don't yeah. and it would have been three times the price. So it's definitely worth doing your research into the forms of transport that are available out there. If you want super flexibility, then a rail pass is probably the best choice for you because then Absolutely. you can just show up and get on the train. Although, for some trains, you do have to get a reservation. Like, you have to pay three euros to reserve a seat. That's for the most of the... Like the ICE, Sprinter. Yeah. Normally, it's the, the faster intercity trains that you need to do that for. Yeah. Although, in some countries like Spain, it's pretty much everything. You need a yeah. reservation. That's right. So, yeah, unfortunately, it sounds like the... Uh, summary is do your research <laughs> but because it depends on where you're going what you want to do there's no uh, easy answer for everyone absolutely but it is a beautiful way to get around for I sure. love it love it our indie travel tip of the day is very destination specific and it's about the city that we're in right now 
That's right. We, this morning actually, well this afternoon because we slept in, we took the steps, the hundreds and hundreds of steps, up to the fortress at the top of the city of Kotoa. But when you're almost at the top, there's a little hole in the wall that you can climb through, and we highly recommend you do that. Absolutely. So it's a signposted marathon, and I'm not I sure if that's because a marathon went through. I can't imagine running a marathon up there. Yeah, that would be quite unpleasant. But um, there's a lot of day tourists here coming off the, the cruise ships, and so as you're walking up, you've got these stunning views of the bay, the surrounding mountains, the rooftops of the old city down below you. It's really, really lovely, but you're on the steps with... Lots of other people. At least five people clumping around you and sometimes like groups of 20, 30, 40 people around you. And so when you see the sign out to Marathon, you're basically jumping through a large window in the <laughs> wall and uh, it puts you on a dirt track and instantly you can hear the birds around you. You can, you know, hear the, the insects buzzing around in the forest. You're immediately off of kind of the treadmill. Yeah, and, and uh, there's so a ruin good. of a, an old church down there. Once you reach that, you'll see a path going up the hill again, off to your left. You should take that path, and you'll see signs saying cheese and drinks and things like that. Follow the signs, and you'll get to an old house. And uh, we were welcomed by a young girl. It was a Sunday, and she said, come on, come on. And uh, they sold us cheese and gave us pomegranates, and ah, it was amazing. Yeah, it's this uh, old shepherdess that lives there, and yeah, she has her cow and lots of cats and kittens around at this time of the year. And yeah, they live there year-round and uh, make cheese from the, the goats and, and cows that they keep. And yeah. it was just a really cool thing. Everyone goes up to the top, to the fortress at the top of Kator. But uh, you can get away from the crowds so easily yeah. and uh, go and explore a little bit of the mountain. And if you're feeling really energetic, there's a pathway all the way up to the top of the peak. We didn't do that. No, we were not feeling so energetic. <laughs> well, that's us for this week. Until next week, travel well.